Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message. I talked to Pastor on Friday and uh, told him that I had taught you idolatry in the church. And he took it literally, uh, thought we were going to have to have an elders meeting. said, no, 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 that was the title of the sermon. And uh, we've been talking about uh, the walk of faith. Uh, You'll notice in your bulletin, uh, the outline, uh, the walk of faith, um, seeking God's face. Now, this is the third week that we're talking about the walk of faith, but this is actually different than the previous two, I think. So therefore, it's a part one. (laughs) Okay, seeking God's face. Um, In your introduction, uh, you'll see face-to-face. Husband and wives, uh, life is busy, amen? And uh, you'll talk to each other while any number of things is going on. And um, usually, because all kinds of things are going on, sometimes things are said that aren't really heard. Uh, I'll give you an example uh, This is a downfall of men. Uh, Women will tell us about something that is going to happen a month from now. Guys, where does that fit in your priority list a month from now? Okay, it's kind of like it's not happening now. It's not important, right? And and then the week will come where, hey, remember this Friday we're going over so-and-so's for dinner. What do you mean we're going over so-and-so's for dinner? You never told me that. Am I repeating anything that you've heard before? Um, You know, the reality is, is this week it's important. It's good to know, but uh, we might need regular reminders from the first time you tell us until it happens. We'll get irritated because you give us regular reminders, but if you don't, we're not going to remember because it's not a priority. Isn't, Isn't that correct, guys? Okay. Thank you, Dale. I appreciate that. Lori, are you in here? <laughs> um, pleading the fifth. Uh, now, the, the reality is, is there are times when husbands and wives need time where it's just face to face. Okay. We love grossing our kids and our grandkids out. Uh, uh, she'll be in the kitchen and I'll, I'll come over and I'll kind of give her a hug and just look at her face. I may say something. Usually there's going to be a kiss or two involved in there. It's really gross and you know that kind of thing. But we have to have face-to-face time where what's in front of me is the only thing that's important right now. And at that point, communication, well, it's a little bit different than, hey, just remember at the end of the month we're going to go over so-and-so's for dinner. At the beginning of the month, telling me that. Okay, face to face time, whole lot different, because at that time, full attention on the face that's in front of me and vice versa. When I'm talking about face to face with God, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about, where there's not all of the other interruptions, all of the other things that would uh, get our attention or, you know, that's that's down there. I don't have to worry about it now. So as we go into this, that's what I'm talking about, that face-to-face time. So 
We're actually uh, in point number one here, review of diligently seeking him. Uh, last week, the sermon ended with, uh, we need to walk by the same understanding that saved us. We were saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves. And I got to come back over here because no one gave me a microphone. Uh, I, and I totally forgot to ask. So uh, uh, I'll stand right here. Um, We were saved by grace through faith. We trusted in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And eternal life was the gift that resulted because of that. Now, the how all that happened is all part of the gift. With that in mind, we're supposed to, according to Galatians chapter uh, 2 and 3, walk in the same way that we were saved. We humbly came understanding our need and his provision. And we're to walk by understanding humbly our need and his provision. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. He says, without me, you can do nothing. And we all know that well enough to know, yeah, I I know that. And then we go on and do things without him. Now, how do you do something without him when he lives inside of you? Well, just your own, leaning on your own understanding, trusting in your own ability to do something, that would be doing it without him. He goes on to say that if you abide in me, if you rest, if you live there, and my words live in you, you will bear much fruit. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Now, I, I know I've skipped around a little bit there in uh, John uh, 15. I, I hit verse 3. I hit verse uh, 1. I hit, hit verse 5 and verse 8. I understand, okay? But the reality is, is we need him to do anything just like we needed him to be saved. And we have to approach our walk with him in the same way that we approach getting saved, Now, why is that important? Well, letter B, personal responsibility. Uh, These things indicate an intentional effort. uh, Time in his word. It is through his word that he renews our mind and changes us from glory to glory. We'll see that in a little bit here. Because this is just a review. We're going to actually hit it with a little bit more detail momentarily. Uh, we, uh, We should be involved in prayer. Uh, you can look at the passages there, Ephesians six eighteen, praying always. Okay, First um, uh, Thessalonians five, uh, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, who are you giving thanks to? God. How do you do that prayer? Uh, okay, First um, uh, Timothy, we're supposed to be praying for everyone. You know who I like to pray for. Um, things I know about. Praying for Pastor in his recovery. Uh, praying for Versi in, in her recovery. Uh, praying for Sharon. She'll post something on Facebook and uh, I'll uh, pray for that. Someone else might uh, also. Praying for my kids. I pray more for my kids now than I ever did when they were growing up because, well, I thought all they needed was to listen to me and they'd be all right. Well, now they're adults and why on earth would you listen to dad? I mean, He's just another adult. We're kind of like equals and on the same plane. And that's true, but 
I probably have more to offer now than I ever did when they were growing up. So I pray for them all the time that God would open their hearts and enlighten their eyes and give them wisdom and grace to be drawn to him and learn how to walk with him. Uh, So prayer is important. And then, of course, number three here, evaluation. Paul says, I have run the race. I have fought the good fight. And I know there is laid up for me in heaven a crown, etc., etc., etc. And uh, wouldn't you like to come to the end of your life and know I did good. When I stand before Jesus at the judgment seat, sure, some things are going to burn up, but I know that I'm going to be rewarded and I'm going to receive the crown of life. And, I, and, and, and wouldn't it be great to know that? Why are we all worried about it? Because we go through life and life happens to us. Sometimes it slaps us upside the head and we never stop to think, okay, how did that thing go? Could I have done anything different? What was God trying to show me? Um, uh, did you know that there's actually an international mother-in-law's day? And for those of you that are mother-in-laws, uh, God bless you. Um, my mother-in-law and I, we, we, we've had our, our moments. Uh, went out and visited her uh, a couple years ago. We were there for like four days and didn't have any moments until the very last day. Uh, and that's where she, if a church doesn't do this, then they're not a gospel preaching church. And it's kind of like, Mom, that is so unbiblical. <laughs> and uh, so we, we uh, had a discussion. It was a passionate, heated discussion. I told you about those last week. Um, but for the most part, you know, I love my mother-in-law. She's a wonderful woman. But uh, um, I'm glad that she doesn't live with us, moving our things in our cabinets around to where she thinks they ought to be. She did that once. Um, <laughs> so uh, just saying. Um, so one day it's uh, International Mother's, Mother-in-Law's Day, and I, I walked into pastor's office and told him, hey, did you know? And then I started singing the song. At which point, Pastor said, I hate you. Because I had put that earworm in there, you know, and he was going to be thinking about it all day long. But uh, uh, my mother-in-law, in in the early years of our marriage, was a little bit of a pain in my ear. And if she just wouldn't have, I was never asking the question, God, what are you trying to teach me? through this human relationship that I'm not always appreciating. I wasn't spiritually mature enough to ask that question. But see, if we understand that evaluation of what's going on in our lives, what is God doing, is part of our spiritual growth, then maybe we would grow a little bit more. Now I say that knowing that many of you have said, I wish I would have listened way back then. Maybe I'd be further along. Or you've said, I think I should be further along. It's kind of like, you shouldn't be. You are right where God wants you to be. But if you want to be further along, word, prayer, evaluation, those are things that need to become a part of your life if you're going to walk by faith. So that brings us to number two, the priority. Now, to be honest with you, uh, this priority that I'm going to be talking about is it's not listed as a priority in Scripture the way you would think that it would be. And therefore, you're going to think, 
No, it's not the priority. And I want you to understand something. From this flows everything that comes along with walking by faith. If you don't have this priority right, you'll have your moments of walking by faith and you'll have your moments of walking as a religious person and that'll look nice, but it's going to burn up at the judgment seat of Christ because it's just you doing it. Okay? So what is the priority? Letter A, seeking. The definition for the word seeking. Attempt or desire to obtain or achieve something. Or, second definition, ask for something from someone. Now that's a, a secular definition, but it, it works for us. Number two, notice it implies that something is hidden or not readily visible. Now, why is that important? Uh, because if you're seeking for something, uh, have you ever lost your keys? <laughs> uh, they are not readily visible. But I put them right there. Well, if you had put them right there, wouldn't they be there? Unless your wife came along and thought, what on earth are these doing here? And then moved them on you. That, that never happens in anybody's home, right? Um, so it's not readily visible. It, it's, it's hidden, possibly. Uh, it may have been moved, but it's not readily visible. Uh, but uh, let me give you a couple of examples. In Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 4, and I have a feeling my uh, verse cards are out of order. Ah, there it is. It says, if you were raised with Christ, what does that mean? We talked about Romans 6 last week a little bit, our position. What does it mean to be raised with Christ? Come on. That is talking about your salvation, yeah. Your position in Christ. You died with Christ. You were buried with Christ. You were raised again with Christ to walk in newness of life. So it says here, if you're saved, if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life, the eternal life that you can experience here and will have forever, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, now notice uh, we have the need to seek for something because it's not it's either hidden or not readily seen um, and we're to set our minds on those things that we're seeking and they're the things of God where Christ sits on the right hand of God understanding that you are hidden in Christ from who from what from anything that might try and steal you from God. Uh, Christ says that you're in his hand and no one can pluck you out of that hand. And his father who is greater than all, you're in his hand and no one can pluck you out of that hand. See, that, that's the idea of being hidden in Christ. In your life, what life? Eternal life. Christ said that he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. All too often as believers, we accept the fact that someday when we die, we get to go to heaven. There's eternal life. I hope you understand that over the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to point out 
that eternal life is something that we're experiencing now. We're involved in a relationship with God that enables us to live in a way that's pleasing to him because it's him living his life in us, through us. It's not us doing things so that maybe he'll be happy. That's the idea of your life is hidden with him. So learn how to walk in that face-to-face relationship. Seek it. Okay. Um, another word that could be used to help you understand the concept of seeking or something that's hidden is the word revealed. In Matthew eleven twenty-seven, all things have been delivered to me by, by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son re- wills to reveal him. So here we have God the Son... He has the capacity to open your eyes and your heart to a deeper relationship with God. Why? Because it's hidden. It's something that needs to be sought after. Okay? Uh, another verse, uh, Luke, 20, uh, Luke 10, 22. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and to the one whom the Son wills to reveal him. So again, we see this concept of something hidden. Same verse, two different books. How about 1 John 3, 2? We know that when we see him, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Notice, we don't fully see him the way he really is now. We have the revelation of his person, his works in the word of God, but we don't fully see it. But it is something that we can be seeking to know more, seeking to understand better, because uh, it's not been revealed yet. Okay. And then, of course, notice uh, the kingdom of God. And I'm wondering if that's from a past sermon that I just forgot to delete because it's... Oh, I'm sorry. It is there. Uh, Matthew 6.33. I should have put it there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness... And all these things will be added unto you. Now, what are the all the things? A good job, a nice house, a good life, and a college degree. (laughs) No, actually, in the passage, it talks about food, clothing. Let's say that which nourishes the body and that which protects the body from the elements. God will take care of all those things. Stop worrying about it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So seek first. What does that word first indicate? Can we say it's a priority? And first would indicate that it's the top priority. Okay? So that brings us to number three. This requires heart effort. Now, you you could say this requires mind effort. In the Old Testament, the heart is talked about a lot. We'll show you a couple of verses in a few minutes on that. But in the mind, though the heart is mentioned, most of the time it's dealing with the mind in the New Testament. 
I don't know if I just said that right or not, but you understand. <laughs> okay, so it requires hard effort. Second uh, Corinthians seven fourteen. Most people uh, know this verse; they quote it completely inappropriately, uh, but we're going to use it today uh, because I want you to see something. If my people who are called by my name, who is God talking about in Second Corinthians seven fourteen? Israel, are you Israel? You could believe that as a Christian, you'd be wrong, okay? We're the church. We did not replace Israel. We are God's people called by his name. So is there a principle here for us? Definitely. Does it work out exactly the same way? No, because God's covenant with Israel was about the land. God's covenant with Christians is not a Christian America. Okay, it's not about the land. It's about what God may do on our behalf if we meet the qualifications. So let's look at the qualifications. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. How, how did we get saved? In humility, we understood our need, his provision. By faith, we received the free gift of eternal life. How are we supposed to walk? In humility, understanding our need, his provision. By faith, we receive what he gives us. Oh, so humble. That, that's, that's still a quality uh, that we're supposed to do. And pray. Well, we talked about personal responsibility. His word, prayer, evaluation. And seek my face. So that seems to be something that's important here. And turn from their wicked ways. Turn from your wicked ways is repentance. It's understanding this isn't what God would have me to do. Well, what am I supposed to do with that? Submit myself to God. And in so doing, I'm looking to him to put off the conduct of the old. Now, do I need to be involved in that process? Look at evaluation again. If I'm evaluating, I'm recognizing the things that, oh, the reason why my mother-in-law and I had that little tiff was because at that moment, a little bit of my flesh kind of reared its ugly head and I told her what I thought. I was actually pretty nice about it. I just told her it was unbiblical. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, is very often our responses tell us what's going on in our hearts. And if I'm evaluating, I can at least acknowledge Lord, that thing that went on in my heart, yeah, that's not like Jesus. Not only will I confess my sin, but I'm submitting that to you for change. Now, do I want to make efforts to try and change? Sure, but I'm not trusting in my efforts. I'm looking for him to change me. Why? Because how long do you get to change for when you decide to change something? Usually... Two weeks. It might be less, it might be a little bit more, but for the most part, we're good for about two weeks and then we operate according to our habitual way of doing things. That's how it works. So I'm submitting myself to God for the change. So you're going to seek His face, you're going to turn from his, your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. If I regard iniquity in my heart, God doesn't hear me. Uh, I think it's Psalm 6910. Uh, that, that's still applicable in the New Testament. If I'm hiding sin from God, I'm going to seek his face. 
No, very often I'm, I'm going to run the other way. Okay? And even if I did pray, brass ceiling is how most of us uh, uh, describe it. Uh, okay, so they're going to uh, seek his face. They're going to turn from their wicked ways. He's going to hear them. He's going to forgive their sin and heal their land. Boy, wouldn't it be great if, if every Christian in America actually did this and we saw whether or not God might turn the leadership around a little bit. You know, it's easy to complain about those guys. Uh, I think a good number of them probably ought to be up against a wall uh, or um, any number of other possible ways of dealing with that because I don't believe they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Got to remember, this country, unlike any other country, who's the leadership of this country? This country is to be of the people, by the people, and for the people, right? So who's the leadership? Not them. I say that because everybody wants to look at Romans 13 and say, you just got to obey that government. Uh, It tells us what the government's supposed to do. They're not doing it. Why? Because they're not the leaders. And they're in it for themselves. Wake up. Mm, Gets me passionate. Heated. Okay. Yes, there are some of them that are good. I just haven't met any of them yet. I'm sure there are some good ones up there. But that's why 1 Timothy says we're supposed to be praying for them. Okay? Pray that they would get the fear of the Lord. If nothing else, not, not that they would pass the bill that you like. Pray that they'd get the fear of the Lord. Let God worry about it. Okay? So that brings us down to all your heart. Uh, in uh, Deuteronomy 4.29 it says, uh, But if uh, from thence, wow, I did the King James there, shame on me. Thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Now I don't know about you, but that concept of all of your heart kind of scares me a little bit. Because when it comes to Christianity, if you want to call it religion, you can call it religion. It's not. But as a pastor and as a Christian who struggles with the same things that y'all struggle with, busyness of schedule, priorities, da-da-da-da-da-da, I can tell you that there have been times when my pursuit or my seeking of God with all of my heart has been far less than all. Okay? But he says here that if you do it with all of your heart and with all of your soul, you'll find him. But notice, you're seeking. Why? Because it is something that is hidden or not readily visible. But it is the first priority. Okay? Uh, Jeremiah 29, 13. And if you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Now, Jeremiah is actually talking to a people that are about to be hauled off into captivity because of their sin. And they haven't repented. One of the key phrases in the book of Jeremiah is, return to me and I'll return to you. Return to like 17 times in the book of Jeremiah. If you just turn from your wicked way and return to me. I, I could 
deal with this whole thing. But no, you won't. So you're going off into captivity. And in captivity, if you'll seek me with all of your heart, you'll find me. Okay? Um, how about loving with all of your heart? Deuteronomy 6.5 You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Deuteronomy 13.3 You shall not listen to the words of the prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul that you may live. Matthew 22.37 In case you just thought that was an Old Testament concept. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Mark 12.30, and uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. Luke 10.27, so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. See, we don't get out of the all of your heart just because we're in the New Testament. Okay, uh, how about serving the Lord your God? Deuteronomy ten twelve. Uh, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk. Oh goody, I didn't get that whole verse in there. Shame on me. Well, let me go to uh, Deuteronomy eleven thirteen. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, and love the Lord your God, and serve Him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And then Joshua 22.5. This is, this is in the uh, area of the chapters where, Deuter uh, where Joshua says, you need to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. And they say, sure, no problem. He goes, you can't. You got to get rid of your idols. Oh, no, no, we'll, we'll serve the Lord our God. And he has to sit there and say, okay, I'm just telling you, if you don't do it, there's going to be issues. You'll have to go read the chapter, but Deuteronomy 22. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of God, commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him and serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. So when we talk about heart effort, we're talking about it's not half-hearted. It's not something that uh, I'll, I'll do it later. No. Do it. Don't put it off. When we talk about seeking God, giving him his proper place in your life, he's number one. So seek him. Seek that face time. Well, how do you do we, we're, we haven't gotten there yet, okay? The emphasis right now is this is a top priority, and it, it requires heart effort. And when we talk about doing something with all of your heart... It's like the, the athlete that says, yeah, man, I believe in giving 110%. I don't know about you, but that one never made sense to me because as far as I know, there's only 100%. 100% means everything you got. And he's going 110, which means he stole it from somebody else. I, I don't know what it means, okay? But that's the idea of your whole heart, 100%. You're seeking God's face. Now, before we go any further, how you doing? Okay? Like I told you, when I look at this whole heart thing, I sit there and go, 
I'm not sure I'm doing that good. And I get to look at the Bible four or five days a week, preparing messages, uh, preparing Bible studies and stuff like that. Uh, And I don't think I'm doing that well sometimes with the whole heart concept. And that includes loving God, serving God, obeying God, Deuteronomy 26, 16, Deuteronomy 30, verse 2. And then uh, how about Acts 8, 37? And Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. Uh, The Ethiopian eunuch has been in Isaiah 53. He's studying it on the way home. He's got his phone on the dashboard and he's listening to his Bible on his uh, phone app. And uh, he, he doesn't understand it. And Philip comes along. Hey, man, what you reading? And he goes, hey, can you tell me, is this guy talking about himself or somebody else? Did you know that Isaiah 53 is the chapter that the Jews don't want to touch? There are Jewish people that will tell you this is about Israel. There are Jewish people that will tell you this is about Isaiah. Read it and look at the pronouns. One place that pronouns actually apply. Okay? It is obviously not talking about Israel or Isaiah because it's about someone else doing something on their behalf. But see... If you acknowledge that, then you have to acknowledge that what this guy is going through is he's dying for sin. Someone said they were going to do that. Um, Oh, no, 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 I can't be. Uh, He was a heretic. Just saying. So in Acts uh, 8, the Ethiopian eunuch wants understanding. And when he gets understanding, he goes, hey, There's water. Can I be baptized? And Philip's response, if you believe with all of your heart. Huh. And of course, they baptized him, and then the Holy Spirit kind of snatched uh, Philip and took him up to Samaria. Uh, Whoa, dude. Uh, But the whole point being was, what did he have to do to get saved? He had to believe with all of his heart who the person and work of Jesus Christ was about His need, God's provision. What do we have to do to be seeking God with all of our heart? Believing what God says about our need and His provision. And then looking to Him for it. Oh. That means I don't have to be reading the Bible like 24 hours a day? Exactly. But it is a hard understanding that I need him. Not every hour. Every moment of every minute of every hour of every day. And if I humbly acknowledge that, I'm seeking him. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Whole heart. Uh, Not only all of your heart, but your whole heart. In Psalm uh, 119 verse 2, it says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. Verse 10, uh, with my whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Now, the reason why I put this one in is I love Psalm 119. 176 verses. This is the equivalent in average to approximately seven chapters in the Bible, and yet it's one. It's a teaching tool. It goes through the 22 letters of the alphabet, and uh, 
each verse starts with a word that starts with the letter of that eight verse section. So in the first uh, eight verses, the first word starts with Aleph, which is kind of like an A, but it's not. Don't ask. I, I studied Hebrew, and yeah, it's kind of like understanding the et- eternality of God. <laughs> okay? Uh, it's, it's just, it's a neat passage. And it, out of the 176 verses, 172 of them have something to say about the Word of God. Is the Word of God important? I think maybe. Okay? But he says in verse 2, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. We associate ourselves so often with our failures. Well, I did this wrong, and I did this wrong. I didn't get that right. Instead of understanding, what does God say about you? And, and this is a homework assignment for you. You don't have to do it, but hey, you miss out. In Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, I've already talked about this at least 22 times. It uses the phrases in Christ, in him, in the beloved. And around that phrase, it'll say something that's true about you because you've been saved. In verse 1, Paul is writing to the saints and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Were the Ephesian believers so far beyond us in their spiritual walk that they could be called saints and faithful? No, they were just like us. So why are they called saints and faithful? Because God imputed Christ's righteousness to their account, just like he did to us. And Christ's faithfulness has been credited to our account, just like he did for them. And so a believer is a saint, a holy one, and is found faithful in the eyes of God. That's his position. How do we live? And not so saintly sometimes and not always faithful. That's your condition. That'll be dealt with through the process of sanctification. Okay? Uh, God is going to be making you more like Christ day in and day out until the day that you meet him, at which point you'll be just like him because you're going to see him as he is. In the meantime, yeah, we still live in this body. Okay? But the whole point there is, his whole heart. He's seeking with, uh, uh, verse 2 says, who seek God with their whole heart. The more we are having that FaceTime with God, not the one on your phone, the one where you're actually seeking Him, your understanding and humility, your need, His provision, and you're walking according to who you are in Christ, you're considered a saint and faithful. And just in case you felt as though, well, I've got to do something. Verse 6 of Ephesians 1 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, whereby He has made us accepted in the Beloved. What do you got to do to get in good with God? Nada. Nothing. Zip. Zero. You got to be saved. You got to be in Christ. In the Beloved. This is my Beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus said, I always do that which pleases the Father. He did. And therefore, by putting you in Christ, you've been associated with Christ, God looks at you and says, my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Yeah, but did you see what they did just the other day? Yeah. And as a loving father, I am going to discipline them. I am going to correct their behavior as I change their mind as they seek my face. And as I change their mind, guess what's going to happen? 
they're going to change their behavior. Why? Because they're thinking differently. If you continue to think the wrong way, what do you think your behavior is going to be? Wrong. When you get your mind on right, well, what's right? Renewing our minds so that we might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God in that situation, whatever situation it is. doesn't matter. But we have our minds renewed. We're not pressured into thinking like the world. You're going to die. You are. And God knows exactly when. And God knows exactly how. And you ain't going to do a thing about it. So accept it as a fact. You know, God says, none of us are getting out of here alive. Not today. You know, <laughs> somewhere in the rush. We're all going to pass. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know about you, but I love this. I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I'm going to close my eyes here. Now the process of closing the eyes, that might be difficult. Mm-hmm. And God's not going to go through it with you? Of course he is. But I'm going to close my eyes here and I'm going to open them in glory. Help me understand what the problem is. Well, if you really want to get technical, the problem is, is I'm not sure that I really believe that. Seek God's face. In humility, accept his provision for your need. Your need is to know there's something beyond this life. He says there is. Believe it. Okay? So the setting of the heart. Uh, letter C, the setting of the heart. <clears throat> First, Corinthians, uh, First Corinthians. First Chronicles 22, verses 17 and 19. David also commanded all of the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And he has he not given you rest on every side? The idea of enemies are at peace with them. For he has given the inhabitants of the land into my hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now, set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore, arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God to bring the ark, to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy articles of God into the house that it will be built for the name of the Lord. So I've taken care of all the enemies, all of the people around us. They're subdued. You don't got to worry about them anymore. So I'm leaving this life you're going to help my son build the temple so that the ark and all of the things can be placed there and the worship of God can go on. But notice what he says. Set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. In other words, correct your thinking about all of this stuff. If we're going to apply it to today, Oh, don't do that, Al. You're going to get political again. Set your heart to seek the Lord and stop worrying about what MSNBC, Fox, CNN, and whoever else tells you about whatever. Now, it doesn't mean you can't watch them. You can understand what's going on, but understand what's going on. Okay? So therefore, set your heart to seek the Lord your God. 
So what are we supposed to be seeking? Well, we've been talking about this concept of a face-to-face. So let's put in seeking the face of God. Uh, Letter B. Uh, That would indicate uh, that maybe it's a little hidden. Well, in a couple of places here, we see where man hid his face uh, from God in uh, Exodus 3, 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of, the, of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Uh, this is not the first and only time. Uh, the one I really love is Samson's parents. An angel of the Lord comes to Samson's mom and says, hey, you're going to have a kid, and here's the way it's got to be. And so she goes and tells her husband, and her husband says, listen to a woman. Come on. So he says, Lord, if uh, you wouldn't mind sending that guy back here and uh, telling me what's going on. So the next day, the angel of the Lord appears to his wife. That tells me something about Samson's dad. Okay. By the way, guys, I know you hate to read. Stop it. Get into your Bibles and read. Okay, and then maybe the angel of the Lord appeared to you, (laughs) but appears to his wife. So the wife says, hang on, let me go get him. So she goes and gets her husband, brings him back. And the angel of the Lord gives him the message that he had given her the day before. And he goes, "Okay, hold on. We want to make an offering. So give me a second. And he goes and he prepares a lamb, brings it back. The angel of the Lord, who, by the way, is Jesus, touches the lamb with his staff and smoke. It burns up. And he ascends into the heavens on the smoke. And Samson's dad goes, I'll stink, we're going to die. We just saw God. See, the idea of seeing God in the Old Testament was we're going to die. In fact, it even says no one has seen God and lived. Later on, Moses is talking to God and he goes, let me see your face. And God says, yeah, you can't do that. You are not made of the right stuff to be able to handle that situation. So as I go by, I will show you my hinder parts, I believe the word is. Uh, The idea is you're going to see what can be known about God. And uh, he sees that. Uh, How about Isaiah chapter 6? Isaiah, in the year the, the King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. And the train of uh, his robe filled the temple. You know, Isaiah didn't see God, though he had been in the prophet's ministry. Well, we don't know that. He may have actually started his ministry at this point. But he apparently was pretty enamored with Uzziah. Uzziah was a mechanical engineer. He was a great king. And somewhere in the rush, he decided that he wanted to be a priest also. At which point, he suffered Leprosy. Thank you. All my skin is falling off of me and all that kind of stuff. Um, he suffered with leprosy until he died. Here he, is, he dies and all of a sudden, boom, Isaiah gets to see something. Which would indicate that there's things that might prevent you from seeing the face of God. We'll talk about that next week. But I put that verse in there because uh, the next verse is, uh, you need that first one. In verse 5 he says, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Basically at that point Isaiah is saying, oh, 
and he wants to hide. He wants to get away from. But in Exodus 33, verses 11 to 23, we see that passage that I talked to you about. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp but his servant Joshua son of Nun a young man did not depart from the tabernacle then Moses said to the Lord see you say to me bring up this people but you have not let me know whom you will send with me yet you have said I know you by name and you have also found grace in my sight now therefore I pray if I have found grace in your sight show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace uh, in your sight and uh, consider that this nation is your people and he said my presence will go with you and I will give you rest then he said to them if your presence does not go with us do not bring us up from here For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Let me see your face. And he said... I will make all of my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord uh, said, here is a place by me that you can stand on the rock. So it shall be when my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then... I will take away my hand that you may see my back, but my face uh, shall not be seen. So when we're considering uh, seeking God's face, uh, Moses actually spoke to God face to face, even though he hadn't seen his face. But he did get to know all that was necessary about God. So in the, in the seeking of God's face, it is getting to know all that's necessary about God. It is getting to, in humility, recognize our need for that understanding. And then receiving it by grace, the provision that he gives. Okay? So let us see, backside of your outline, where is God's face visible? Well, we'll go back to our, uh, our review. The word prayer, and evaluation. So think about the word. To become. James 1, 19 through 21. So then, my beloved brethren. Now, give you a little context. Here's a person that's gone through a trial. He was supposed to endure that trial with joy. He was supposed to go to God and look for uh, wisdom in faith. And then, if he endured that trial... He was going to be blessed or happy. The word blessed means, oh, how very happy. And he was going to be receiving the crown of life, which God gives to anyone who loves him. So how is he going to endure the trial? Love God. Seek his face, if you will. There is another option. When temptation comes along, you can be drawn away of your own lusts, enticed, 
The word enticed there basically means seduced. It means you've been lied to and you're believing the lies. You're believing that somehow this sinful activity can give me what only God can really give me. But you think it can, so you do it. And it, it, it pleases you for a couple minutes. And then what? Run, hide, cover up, shift the blame. You know, if my wife hadn't have done that to me, I wouldn't have. So it's, it's not my fault. Okay? No, no, no. I, the, the reason why I did that was this happened. And that's, I, I couldn't help myself. Justify. <laughs> okay? Uh, that's the, those are the two choices. Now it goes on to say, every good and perfect gift is from above. Okay, context. What's the good and perfect gift? In case you don't know, it's the trial. Because the purpose of the trial was that your faith might grow. It comes down from above, from the Father of lights. Now, it's the trial that God brings. It turns into temptation when you're not looking to him for wisdom and grace to do it his way. When you want it your way, it becomes a temptation. It's your focus. What are you seeking? Him or what you want? That's the good and perfect gift that it can go either way. You really determine that. Okay? Now he goes on, verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. What is God trying to teach you in that trial? You ought to be swift to hear. Slow to speak. In other words, stop with your excuses. Slow to wrath. I blew it. I'm really mad that I blew it. If my wife hadn't have done this, I... If God hadn't have brought this temptation in my life. Slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Now, James is talking to save people. How's it going to save his soul? You receive the implanted word, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you evaluate what needed to actually go in your life, what God was trying to show you about your own heart. You submit yourself to him for the change. He brings about the change. Now, he doesn't necessarily bring about the change right then and right there. But sometimes that's exactly how it works. Sometimes you're going to go through that trial a few more times because, yeah, I'm not done showing you how bad it really is. Okay? I want you to understand how bad it really is. You, you look at it and say, oh, I blew it. Uh-huh. No, I want you to understand how bad it really is. You are a slave to this thing. And I bought you with a price. A very, very expensive price. You belong to me. I want you free from that. That's not good for you. So I'm going to let you fail a few more times so you hate what it is. And you'll finally submit. In submitting, you're going to be saved from that thing. Okay? So that's the idea of becoming who God has already made you. Uh, letter A, we look into the mirror dimly. In uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, but according to the grace of God, ooh, no, I missed that one. 1 uh, first, first Corinthians, where am I? I guess that's where I is. No, I can't be there. Oh, there it is. 1 <laughs> uh, Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly. 
the, the concept here is we're looking into the Word of God. And it's like a mirror, but we don't see clearly what it's presenting. Well, it's actually presenting the glory of the Lord. It goes on, but then face to face. See, we're, we're looking into it dimly. We're seeing a little bit of what Jesus is like, but we also see us. And sometimes looking at us, you know, as good looking as we may be, it's not that good when you're looking in the Word, right? And we don't see God face to face now, but then we will. It goes on to say, for I know, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. Can you imagine that God loves you so much that he knows everything about you and decides to still love you? I don't know about you, but uh, yesterday I saw something on social media and I showed it to my wife and she goes, yeah, you better continue to choose to love me. And I go, dear, you do not know how many times I have literally made this decision. Temptation has come along in one form or another, and I have intentionally chosen, no, I love this lady right here. I don't need whatever the temptation is uh, tempting me with. Okay? Well, that's the same idea here where we're going to continue to look, and God loves us in spite of the fact that sometimes We don't look so bright when we're looking into the Word. Notice in 2 Corinthians 3.18, beholding the glory of the Lord. But we all with unveiled face. In other words, we're not like Moses. We're in the presence of God. We don't start glowing and we want to hide that because people will actually see as it diminishes. The reality is I want you to understand something. When you spend time in God's Word and He fills you up and, and you got that joy of the Lord thing going on, you're singing and dancing on your way to work and and everybody thinks you're kind of weird Uh, cool okay and when that diminishes we do see it when we start seeing a little bit more of you 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 uh well you know you want to justify it no 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 we understand why because same thing happens to us but we're not wearing a veil but it's still visible as it diminishes it says here it says here Uh, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Notice the mirror is used twice there in two different ways. We're, We're seeing a little bit about us, but we're also seeing the glory of the Lord. And we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, what I want you to catch there is we're being transformed. We are not transforming ourselves. The more we look at him and see him for who he is, that's why we need to seek his face, the more the Spirit of God changes us from glory to glory. And not just the idea of grew a beard. No, no, you girls might have a hard time with that. Uh, It's the idea of looking more like Jesus in the way you live because you've been seeking his face. And of course, letter C there is a contrast to that in James 1, 22 to 24, observing his natural face in a mirror. This is the person that does not do what the word of God says in uh, James 1, 22 to 24. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So this person is looking into the mirror dimly. 
He sees his natural face. In other words, he sees what's true about him. Walks away, has not evaluated the situation. That's point number three. Walks away and forgets. Yeah, that's the kind of person you are. That guy has deceived his own self. Notice he's not deceiving anybody else. Because what's in your heart comes out in your life. Okay, so the word is important if we're going to be seeking God's face. How about prayer? The concept of prayer is to talk, to listen. Huh? Yeah, that's one of those things that maybe we don't communicate well enough. That our times of prayer isn't just talking to God about. But it might be a time where we just... Did I put it in here? I did, and I don't want to say it before we get there. I'll say it when we get there. How's that sound? But maybe we need to be listening. Okay? Uh, Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Uh, Colossians 4.2. Continuing earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. 1 Timothy 2.1-2. Therefore I exhort first of all, first priority here. Uh, First of all, that uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Okay, so prayer. Notice in uh, Matthew 26, 41, Mark 14, 38, Luke 22, 40, and 46, watch and pray that you do not enter into uh, temptation. We deal with temptations all the time. What might that indicate about our prayer life? Maybe we're not watching and praying or seeking God's face enough. Now that doesn't mean that the trials won't come. But maybe as we are spending time seeking God's face through the word and through prayer, we're watching and recognizing the battle as it's out there, and praying, when the trial comes, we're already well aware. This is a trial. What's God trying to teach me here? I can go through this thing. I can ask God for wisdom. And what I ultimately am looking for is as I love him, I'm going to receive the crown of life. I'm going to be happy. Oh. Okay. Watch and pray. How about uh, access? When we talk about access, we're thinking about the throne of God, the face of God, if you will. Romans 5, 2. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Ephesians two eighteen. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Uh, Ephesians three twelve. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Hebrews 10.19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus, verses 21 and 22, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Uh, So we have access. How about, uh, since we have access, how about we boldly approach the throne of grace, Hebrews 4.16. Excuse me. And of course, 1019, I read to you just a moment ago, we have boldness to enter the holiest 
by the blood of Christ. So prayer, seeking God's face through the word, through prayer, it's all part of it. Uh, What are we going to get when we boldly approach the throne of grace? Well, it says that we might receive mercy. That's elios or compassion. Uh, Mercy. Uh, We need mercy because we did something that we probably shouldn't have done. And it's only by his mercy that we find forgiveness. We find the restoration of the relationship, etc. And then grace. Uh, That word is charis. It means favor, gift, or pleasure. Uh, 1 Corinthians, oh, by the way, mercy. Psalm 136. I don't know how many verses there are, but every single verse. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. What can you do that His mercy will not cover? His mercy endures forever. As far as His grace goes, it deals with a whole lot of issues, especially when it comes to spiritual gifts. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a master, a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another builds on it. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. First Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each one has received a gift, a grace, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, serves, let him do it with the ability with which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ uh, to whom be glory and uh, dominion forever and ever. So we receive those two things. And that brings us to point number four. When we talk about listening, be still and know that I am God. Paul puts it a little bit differently. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation, the concept of being even-keeled, be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your request be made known unto God. We like to start that whole passage there in verse 4. Don't worry. Be happy. Right? It actually starts a little bit earlier. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You, You may get the report. The big C is a part of your life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Something isn't working out between you and your husband or your wife. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your moderation, your even keeledness be known unto all men. The Lord can come back at any moment. He can fix this whole thing. He may not come back, but he can still fix this whole thing. So I don't need to worry about it. I want to talk to him about what's going on with Thanksgiving and let the peace of God guard my heart. Be still and know that I am God. That's the idea of listening. Okay? That brings us to the last thing here. Evaluation. Ooh, one minute. To correct thinking. 2 Corinthians 10.5 Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Just think we like to use this verse when we're talking about someone else. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual. And, you know, look at what we can do in your life. 
And it's our thinking that's all messed up. It's our, the, the thinking that, oh yeah, the world, the, the flesh, the devil, they kind of work together and get us thinking that, you know, I'm really something and you shouldn't treat me like that. If you think that, <laughs> you need to read your Bible more. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Take that thought into captivity because it's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. And you're, you're going to expect things from people that they ain't going to give you. Just because they're people. And that's the way it works. Okay? Letter B. <clears throat> to run the race and fight the uh, fight acceptably. In, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. Do you not know that those who run the race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. The idea there is self-controlled in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Look, if eating a hot dog can be done to the glory of God, because it says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, eat what? Well, if you eat a hot dog, you're supposed to do it to the glory of God. Okay, so if eating a hot dog can bring glory to God, then every single thing of every single day of every single week is to be done to the glory of God. Uh, and you got to run that race, fight that fight in a way that's acceptable to Him. How about a couple more verses here? 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. He's not saying eternal life is out there somewhere. You don't quite have it yet, so run faster. No, he's saying grab a hold of what is yours experience that abundant life that Christ came for, to give you. Not just the fact that someday when I die, I get to go to heaven. Okay? Uh, how about 2 Timothy 4, 7? I already got that one. 12, 1, Hebrews. Uh, Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, some of you might think that God's got a big window in heaven, and those guys are looking down here to see how you're doing. This is right after chapter 11, where he talked about all these people that... They got it right. By faith they did this. By faith they did that. You ever notice when you read that chapter, there's none of the bad things they did? Okay, for example, D David. Did he not commit adultery? Did he not kill that woman's husband? Indirectly, but he did it. Did he not lie about it for nine months? Mm-hmm. It's never mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 11 is like after the judgment seat of Christ. All the bad been burned up. What counts? What they did by faith. By faith they did this, 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 this. These guys proved it can be done. That's the great cloud of witnesses that you're surrounded by. Seeking God's face, it can be done. Why? Because they did it. They succeeded at it. Did they get it all right all the time? No. But that's not what's going to last forever. What's going to last forever is seeking God's face. And a bunch of people have proved it can be done. It goes on to say, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So that's going to be a little bit about what we're talking about next week in the sense of the things that might hinder us from seeking God's face. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the evaluation process includes Correcting behavior. 
Uh, if you go back to James chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 24 and 20, well, 25, it says, uh, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, let me find it here. Uh, there it is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he does what it says, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So again, the purpose of getting into the Word, being in prayer, doing the self-evaluation, is all part of seeking God's face. And in seeking God's face, the more you look at Him, the more you become like Him. The way you think and in the way you live. So brothers and sisters, we see here, if we're going to be walking by faith, the first priority is that we're going to be seeking God's face. There are things that hinder that. We'll talk about that next week. But in the meantime, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are accessible because of the work that you have done. And, and Lord, we do. We admit that we, we get sometimes waylaid. Uh, sometimes our things we desire to do, we don't do, just like Romans 7 talks about. But you are available. You've given us everything that we need for life and godliness as we get to know you. Our desire as new creatures is to get to know you. Open our eyes, open our hearts, and give us grace to walk with you, not just look forward to someday when we die and go to heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You know, God has put it within our hearts as believers to not only get to know Him better, but to see Him glorified in this world. And since He's already put it there in us, it is one of those things that we kind of desire will happen. Um, but I, I want you to catch something here. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. One of the best ways to see Him glorified is learn how to enjoy your relationship with Him. When I have those times where I'm face to face with my wife, I like that. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's good stuff. And a lot of the other stuff goes by the wayside because there ain't anything else that I'm thinking about or anything like that. And that's exactly what God wants you to do is get face to face, enjoy Him. The glorifying is going to happen, okay? It's going to happen, especially as you walk with Him. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank You. Thank you for your word, for your spirit, for the, the new persons that you have made us. Give us grace to learn how to walk according to who we are in Christ Jesus and by the power of your spirit that you might be glorified. And in the meantime, we're going to enjoy that a whole lot. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, 
please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.